believe that in the 21st century, the topic of periods remains a taboo. My name is Leah, and in this podcast, I interview different people from different walks of life and different stories, and we talk about periods, because it is time to normalize the conversation around our blood. This is I Bleed. Seven-year-old girls, Marita and Shilpa, would visit their families back home in India where they were faced with a very hard reality that many people endure daily, the lack of water. As 15-year-old teenagers, Marita and Shilpa dreamt of opening an orphanage. From then on, the seed of water surge was born. Forward some years later, and having established Water Surge, an organization whose objective is to provide communities with safe water, sanitation, and hygiene solutions to help end the cycle of poverty, they realized that even though they were providing water for schools, girls were still missing days of school due to their period. And that's what led to the birth of the Menstrual Hygiene Program. In this episode, I speak to Marita, the executive director of the Surge Middle East branch, and we talk about the work Water Surge is doing on the ground to break the stigma around periods and get the girls back to school. Growing up in Dubai her whole life, our parents would take us back home to India, where our grandparents and our family was as much as they could. My parents couldn't afford to take me every summer because I'm one of five children. And whether you went every summer or every second summer, at some point, some people look, you realize the disparity, even in the 80s and 90s, right? You were like, why do I, why am I in this cab or in this car? And why is this little girl outside begging? So Shilpa, like that affected her on a very deep level. And she, from a very young age said, I didn't do anything. I was born into this life, but what, why she understood privilege, I guess, is what I'm saying at a very young age. So that stayed with her um, as, she, as she got older, went through school. When she was in university, she, she actually went to John Hopkins and she did a summer away where she went to Nepal and she volunteered in a school um, and she saw firsthand in her she would have probably been anywhere about 18, 19, 20. The water issues when you live with like, you know, not having water to wash your clothes, not having water for a shower. And so all of that continued to keep affecting her psyche and keep like, it's like planting seeds, right? So the seeds are germinating. Right. And I, I would say by her mid, so she went down the corporate, corporate world, worked like in a big corporation in the US. And, but all of this was, was inside of her since she was little and, and going on. And we met when we were eight and she always likes to tell the story. By the time we got to 15, 16, about when we were graduating from, from school, we had this dream that we would start an orphanage together. And here is the really magical and like crazy part. In the vision of these 15, 16 year old girls, I was going to stay in the orphanage and run it. And she was going to travel the world and continue to open more orphanages. Today in 2020, we both turned 40 this year. So this right. is like a life, this is a life's journey. I ended up getting married and having two children, being 
based in Dubai and looking after my family and running a chapter of Surge in Dubai. Sherpa in her life's path did not find a, a partner, get married, or um, go down that typical, you know, what society kind of expects of you route. Um, and Serge is everything. She's the founder. It's her, her husband, her wife, uh, wife, her kids, her dog. It's really like her life's mission and passion. And she actually does live nomadically. She doesn't have an address anywhere so, in the world. So the, ch the change happened, like the 15 to 40. It happened. Can you, but we, it's like something that you can't know. And we, between 15 to 40, had, you know, lives where she, she went, as I said, to university. She climbed the corporate ladder. She, when she founded Surge, she still, like, like you do, you keep your day job and you slowly grow something that's your passion on the weekends, went through all of it and then got to a point, um, Serge is now in its 11th year. It was founded in 2008. She founded Serge when I had Maddie, my second child. And um, I founded the chapter, well, didn't found it, but with her help started the chapter in Dubai in 2013. So it's in its seventh year in Dubai now. And she still very much considers Dubai home, you know? So it's kind of like, ideal um that we do this together right right but as i said like she's the the driving force and the passion and the founder of surge and it really is when you look back at the story of what affected her as a very young child and then as we got to that awareness that young adults as right. to, to the lens of teenagers and that you know we lived worlds apart. I lived in Australia and then back to Dubai and she was in the US and she would visit completely, you know what I mean? But to have kept that relationship. You you reconnected you reconnected or you kept that like connection somehow. Yeah, we stayed. We were very close friends throughout our lives. But you know, like I did follow that society structure, what I call a white picket fence life. Right. Got married, had two kids, worked in a in a job. And she had that power woman corporate, you know, at a young age, reached really fast and high up the corporate ladder, running like a whole division, traveling the world. Right. Um, yeah, money, money was no object. Um, and she just was like, I, there's a huge hole. There's a huge void. And... <laughs> And, and and the water surge like organization. I saw that you you also have like when you started. Did you have the menstruation? No, no, that was very much part of the journey. Shopa said that when she first wanted to do the work, like to to give back to serve other people, she she and her current roommate at the time wanted to fix all the world's problems. Right. They wanted to, you know, get in like do education, provide food, provide water, provide shelter, you know, like they wanted to do everything. Right. But I think when you really like when you roll up your sleeves and you organize your first event, then you start to get a really good sense of how much energy and how much work it takes. Right. And then I think they hosted an event and she lived in Minneapolis at the time and it was super successful. They raised all this money, all their friends and all the you know people who came like loved this being part of something bigger because I truly believe it that that is 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 in in it in each and every one of us we just need to be given the opportunity right to, serve, to be part of something outside of yourself 
right. in my humble opinion, most people will respond really, really respond to that, you know? Right. So they just, they donated the, the funds to, I think at the time, Charity Water, to one of the big orgs that are still very much around today. And they hosted a second event and they, they donated to water.org. Um, and then Shopa, being this brilliant mind that she is, she wanted to know more. She had many questions. She wanted to visit the coordinates that they gave her where they said they built a well. And so then it just became apparent that because she was willing to invest so much time in it and she was putting in so much of her own time to research it, that it made sense to incorporate an org of her own. Right. And so that's how Surge is a 501c3, a fully licensed and registered 501c3 since 2008 in the US. Okay. So... So initially, 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 the objective was to bring water, right? And then you, you started bringing the menstruation element. Yeah. So the, 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 even till today, I guess, if we were to sum up our mission, our mission is to provide clean, safe drinking water and sanitation, which is basically toilets, to those that most need it, basically around the world. And so the, the mission is water and sanitation, and because they go hand in hand. Even if you look at the UN SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals, goal six is safe water and sanitation because you can't do one without doing the other. When you right. think about it and when you think about what is it to bring clean drinking water in remote villages and remote areas, if you don't fix the sanitation issues in a village, um, especially when you have the monsoon seasons, if there's open defecation, you're talking about the water source becoming contaminated and massive problems. So right. it can never just be about fixing a well or building a well or purifying water. It has to be about also another basic human right and the dignity of being able to, you know, to, to go and pee and poo in, in, in peace and right. in a way where, you know, there, there's no way it can contaminate the water source. Right. So, so when you get into the sanitation space, and I guess the journey we had with Surge is after we've been working for many years with fixing broken wells, providing water filtration systems, and then with Surge, we stay with our communities and we have monitoring systems. We don't just drill a well. We and don't then drill go. wells anyway. Yeah, which again, I'm not to speak poorly of anybody else, but that's... Mm -hmm. But know, I've seen that. I've seen that happen. And then it's like... Like they don't teach the people how to do it themselves. Like there's no Absolutely. education involved. And so unfortunately. Fun, interactive, amazing education program called WASH, which stands for Water Access, Sanitation and Hygiene. It's actually a UN program, the WASH program. But we looked at the content of it and then we made it our own with songs and games and just, you know, just who we are as people and what we believe in when you educate it for, for a message to remain, it has to be taught in an experiential way. We, right. we never do lecture-based teaching, whether it's under a mango tree in Uganda or whether it's a classroom in Dubai. Everything that we do is lively and interactive and right. involves singing and dancing. Right, basically. right. And so we had a wash program where when we fixed a well, we were also teaching the wash program. And before we even work in a community, we invest in a community, we meet the community leaders, we have partners on the ground, 
and we 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 come together and form a water user committee and there has to be a commitment you know from the village side that yeah we want to fix this well we're going to form a committee um and we're going to we're going to look after it from here on out right um, that's really important we learned that it's super 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 important to right. do it that way definitely and, right and normally the villagers will put in the labor from their side yeah so they will come and they'll they'll bring the mud bricks for example and we will fund the concrete and the engineers so that's a true partnership and that's right. something that you feel proud they feel proud and we feel proud that it's not some western organization giving handouts you know what i mean it's really like we're totally. in it together we're with you you guys are so smart you know your weather patterns you have skilled labor but you're just in this position where money okay the cash flow is the problem they've got time like a lot of the time there's no jobs in villages so let's pay people to dig let's right. pay for the concrete let's pay for the this the pipes which they could never hope to afford otherwise wow. you know the pipes that you need right. because the borehole was drilled 10 years ago 20 years ago by the un but nobody has some the villages even as a collective does not have the money to fix it so you so you provide them the 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 the, the, the means to be able absolutely absolutely and right. then we have taught our partner on the ground our wash program so our partner can continue to go from village to village to teach the wash program right right and we have a soap making program that goes along with it wow and that's physical stuff and we had some big sponsorship from ups last year so we built a center now in our village in cabramaido uganda and we built a wash center where our partner can operate out of so that people can come to us now so it's it's been this like amazing beautiful journey and to bring the menstruation into it we were monitoring a lot of the work we do is in schools okay because when you fix the well of a school and when you build new latrine blocks in a school you affect 900 to 1000 children straight up in our villages in uganda so we do work in villages and communities of course but a lot of it is centered around children in schools right and when we were watching the attendance records even after we did the water source the new latrines we even built like um incinerators for pads um we noticed that there was a an age group of girls that were still dipping um in their attendance records and we thought they would much rather come to school now because they don't have this toilet at home right and the water source is broken at home so what's going on and that's how from again it's a partnership right you 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 ah. talk to the teachers and we found out that this was the problem no pads no no dignity during this critical time of the month so the right. girls because it's so embarrassing like not to have a pad you would rather stay home in your room when you have nothing right because kids are kids around the world right if you have a big stain on the back of your school skirt they're going to laugh at you right that is you can be in a remote village it's not just about being in schools in dubai right you're going to get made fun of so most girls would rather stay home and 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 you know go through their bleed uh hiding than face their peers or or you know like have to have to face the world during that time of the month to be honest with you and there's no 
there's no women's circles where you are trying to, from a spiritual aspect, you know, there are taboos everywhere. There's taboos we've learned around the world, um, whether it's remote villages, whether it's, you know, in our experience, the Philippines or Haiti or Uganda, um, there are now stigmas around menstruation worldwide in built up cities in the developed world, as we so call it, as and very much so still in the developing world. And I haven't had the pleasure yet to spend my time with pure tribes, but I'm hoping that, you know, if we went out to the Amazon to untouched tribes or maybe potentially with Native Americans, we might still find some beautiful practices. But certainly where we have worked in our remote villages, the stigmas and the taboos around menstruation totally exist. So what does so, water so what does water surge do like in regards to like tackling the stigma and taboo like yeah because so like you know you, you know I just like because like a lot of initiatives that I've read about and I've yeah. were about like handing a pad right like their yeah, sure. the solution was to hand a pad but what I liked about reading the work that you do that the solution and, and this is something that I truly believe in, that a solution yeah. is, not, does not, is not found in a pad, right? No. It's not found no. in plastic. That's not... Absolutely. So if you can tell me a little bit, like, how did you choose not to go into that easier way of just handing pads and go more into the education? So the honest answer to that, Leah, is Shopa and I, as individuals, are on our personal journey as well, Right. Um, so we'd had all of this learning with Surge already in terms of the experience we had with providing water and toilets. And so by the time the menstruation issues came to uh, our attention, we already had learned that you don't do handouts. You don't either fix the well and leave, or you don't hand a water filter out and, and leave, because at the end, that's without the education or without showing people that you're in it together and I'm here to stay. Um, you know, that's what brings the real change. So when we started working in the menstrual space, the first thing we did is we had conversations. We had conversations with the teachers, with the girls themselves, with the elders to understand, you know, what, what happens? Do you guys talk about it? We looked at the education system and it's, it's in the education system. I think very similar to how it is here in Western education. It gets covered in one lesson, the science by rote. And then that's it, you know? And where in our communities where we work, if you're one of the privileged few and you have a little bit of money, then the girls try to scrape together to be able to buy disposable pads. Or if they, you know, sometimes you have a parent or a cousin who's living in Kampala in the big city and they are able to send you a set of reusable pads. But most, the masses have, have access to nothing, not cloth pads let alone disposable pads. So they're pretty much tearing papers from an old notebook or bundling some dried bark or tree leaves together, or as I said, just staying home in your mud hut and bleeding out um, in privacy because you, know, you just don't want uh, to, to be part of the community and to expose yourself to that ridiculous or, or anything during that time of the month. So, um, the way that we approach it is, as I said, we have these conversations. We already completely had an awareness about plastic issues around the world at that point. And I think the important thing that 
for me when I reflect on it is that Shilpa and I, at that point a few years ago, already we didn't think we need reusable pads for our communities. We knew that it was a global issue. It didn't matter whether you could afford pads or tampons then. We ourselves were already had started our own personal journey to cloth right. pads, to menstrual cups. So it, it didn't even at the get-go, we never thought, oh, we need, we need a solution like reusable pads um, so that the girls can wash it because they can't afford. We knew that we all needed to do that. Right. And we knew that at the heart of all of it was not even the cloth pad. It was to break the barriers and right. to break down these taboos that there was anything unclean, anything dirty, or anything to be made fun of from the fact that a woman bleeds once a month. We knew right. that we had to bring back for ourselves, it back into cities and it back into our communities that we needed to remember that blood is sacred and that we needed to honor these women and these girls and ourselves. So we, we, we knew those things when we created this program and we started to work in our communities. So that was such a blessing that in our personal lives, we had already started that journey. Otherwise, you know, that's what we don't blame or look down on any organizations that are just focused on the pads. Because for me, it just means that on a personal level, you haven't yet stepped into that wider awareness right. about blood is sacred and blood right. is beautiful. Right. Um, no, so but I also, we, I also think the fact that you are providing water solution, because like, the thing is, when we talk about providing the, like um, uh, pads that are not disposable, that are reusable, and we don't talk about water, it's also a bit shocking. Like, how can we expect these women to use reusable pads when they don't have access to water? And that's why I feel like your organization is kind of doing the 360, where you're talking about water, you're talking about taboo, and at the same time, you're talking about using like products that are not harming the world and our planet. Absolutely. Indeed. A hundred percent. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's a lot of organizations that just focus on, um, on what's, what the term is called period poverty, by the way. So it's like, this is like a term they use in the world and they, they call it menstrual hygiene. So being part of the work that you amazing work you do and like sitting in women's circles, we don't feel comfortable with using, terms like period poverty and menstrual hygiene. So we call ours a menstrual health program. And it really is very much, as I said, you know, bringing, sitting with the women and understanding like, like stories, like you sit in a women's circle and you create the safe space and you say, okay, in your culture, in your, in your home, you know, what happens when you receive your period? And it's really, it really, it's not easy you know, it's some. It's one thing already when you're sitting here in Dubai and we have our women's circles, um, but it's really something to have to bring 14 and 15 year old girls because for us, for them, we are already very foreign. We're talking about villages so remote that we are often the first other person they've ever seen. So right. we are like the white the white man, you know, that we've right, come out there. Right, so right. To, to talk about these things, it really involves a lot of patience and really a lot of love to reach that level of comfort. So we spent a lot of time in conversation first. And then based on the conversations we were having in our communities in these four different parts of the world, in the Caribbean, 
in the Philippines and in Africa, we slowly developed our menstrual health program. And it's just like our WASH program that I told you about. There's a little girl named Mina, and um, which also kind of like ties into the word menstruation, but her name is Mina. And she goes on her journey. And we have this beautiful book that I can share with you, but this is not a, a video podcast. So otherwise I could have flipped the pages. But basically it's a journey and we cover everything in our program about, you know, how first the body changes. Right. Sure. So the body for girls and boys, we, we think that it doesn't make sense to leave boys out of the conversation. So we don't teach boys, but you know, it's really funny when you start the program and you've got these pictures of a little girl with boobs and hair, and then you have the boys with the muscles and their voices breaking. And we, so we, we have a book, but we're, we're in conversation. We have, right. we have our songs that we're singing throughout um, so that we are using voice and we're connecting with music because in all of our communities, you can imagine um, singing and dancing is very much a part of the culture and it's a brilliant icebreaker. Um, so we sing that song. Do you remember the song, Ain't No Mountain? Ain't yes. No Mountain. <laughs> yeah, so that's how we start the whole program with our actions and stuff like that. And then, so we go in through our book and we first we teach about the body and the changes the body goes through. And then we go through the life cycles from a, a young girl to a mother to a grandmother. And then we slowly start to bring in um, everything about the period and the actual cycle. So we touch on the science of it, of course. Right, right. We have this wonderful life-size poster that we have. So it's a full body. And we have all the parts of the female reproductive system with felt that you have to come and stick on. Okay. Um, so, it's, so it's really good. So it's interactive. That, it's interactive. It's fully interactive. And we have an actual bird's nest with plastic eggs that we talk about when we teach about ovulation. And we use the analogy of why a bird builds a nest before she lays the eggs, which is what our body is doing with our womb, isn't it? It is after all just a nest. So right. that if an egg is fertilized, then it can go and attach to the lining. Because otherwise, if we didn't have the nest, we actually right. drop an egg and it just breaks on the ground. Right. So we used as many like, you know, um, examples and interactive things as we can. So we, 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 we go through the reproductive system and then we talk about the cycle. So right. much like we have had in Vanessa's program, we have this beautiful imagery of the four parts of the cycle and we talk about it from the science, you know, talking about it as the follicular phase, ovulation, luteal phase, right. administration. Um, so now I'm like, I remember all my high school science, which I had completely forgotten. <laughs> right, right. But then we also talk about the other beautiful side about spring, the summer, the autumn, the winter, okay. the emotions that you experience. And do you, do you feel they connect to that when you talk to them? Like they completely connect. And a lot of times I think they didn't know why they were feeling withdrawn or why they almost felt angry during that time of the month. Right. And I think because we also are like this far where something that something new for them, when we say, oh, yeah, yeah, my boobs hurt too, you know, or I get really bad back pain and I get really grumpy at that time. It's really something because then you can really see the oneness. Because you're right, talking about right. these little girls and even women that have never even traveled to Kampala, let alone right. they've never stepped out of their village. So when we try to speak about this sisterhood, I think it's really something, you know, when 
that penny drops when you when you when you realize wow it's even this strange lady she feels what i feel my teacher feels how i feel right. it's, it's really it's really beautiful and you know some girls of course are still are quiet and they're watching it's normal personalities right right some right. girls by the end of it have completely the barriers are down they're dancing they're sharing openly they're right. telling us stories it's really 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 amazing so it's really it's really beautiful to watch that watch that in the, within the span of the program and as we take you know as i said it's a beautiful it's a structured program right so we don't teach in a structured way so it's a beautifully structured program as i said where we go through that journey of talking about the body's changes uh, the science behind it the emotions behind it um all the symptoms we all we share we do right. a dance where we touch we have this gorgeous african music playing and we dance like oh this is the part that hurts during my time this is what happened to me it's so right, fun right. it's you'd love it you'd love it but and it took time we've built up the program over time we get the feedback and we add something to it you know and we, right. we keep honing it and and um, do you, and do you feel like like the feedback at the end are girls going back to school we have a survey so we developed a really simple survey that um at the end we randomly pick a few girls and we ask them the questions and and when i say we i only chop and i only get to do it personally when we can travel right if, if we're lucky it's twice a year but we have an amazing partner on the ground okay so this program is running as i'm as i'm sitting here talking to you in dubai the program is currently running right um so that's the beauty of it you know we've we've had to get to a a stage where it wasn't like that at the beginning right at the beginning when you go then you do the work right but we've, we've been able to build it up to that level now um so that it so that it's not dependent on us right and the survey gets filled out and 100% you know we've had um the numbers are really high like at, in the like 90 something percent where the girls say that they feel more comfortable to talk about their periods now that they would now talk to their friends or their or their or an adult about it right um, and that they learned something that they didn't know um so it's been it's 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 really it's been a really beautiful journey and it's been really hopeful to develop this program and to teach it and of course stitching right. cloth pads is part of the program so you know as much as the core as i said is about the program is called break the barriers as much as the program is about breaking the barriers removing the stigma and slowly starting to bring down the taboos surrounding menstruation um making soap and stitching cloth pads is a big part of the program as well that's and so it's lovely beautiful. to sit under a mango tree in africa and stitch your own cloth pad i can i can run and show you my own very my yeah own I, I, yeah I, yeah yeah i sure. can show you that um so i have it right here in dubai with me um i've used it um i haven't made any more because i'm naughty i have a whole set from vanessa <laughs> my girls are now we i just bought a sewing machine for our house this summer right so that's absolutely something that i would get my girls to do as well now but, do you, do, you um, feel, do you feel stitching your own pad kind of creates uh, also it's like it helps into the creation of a positive conversation about periods 100% absolutely i think 
you know, just stitching your own pad is like the next level. We're really blessed to be able to be able to buy cloth pads, for example. Um, but if you ever have the opportunity, because that's creating, right? It's like when you paint something or when you cook your own meal, I would highly recommend if anybody has the opportunity to make your own pad to 100% do that. It's already so meaningful to wash your own pad, but imagine taking that one step because then you really cherish it. You know, even just like the work that it takes to go into to creating that thing, you know? Um, the way we make it in Uganda, we have the layers of the, you know, the plastic, um, the layers so that it doesn't leak, just to hold them all so that right. they don't shift when you're sewing. I think we use blanket stitch on it and to remember blanket stitch and then to remember, I didn't remember, I closed my pad and didn't put my <laughs> elastic inside it. You have to but put an the, elastic inside it. I'll show it to you because we have a button. You know how we have, Vanessa has the fancy buttons that you, right. it has a machine. We even researched that machine. You need to invest in like a little hand machine to, to crimp Clip those. It. Right. But we don't have any of that. So, and we're talking about doing it on a mass scale. Yeah, it's okay if you buy it. Like um, we, we, we're, we're figuring out whether we buy all of that for the wash center. So when we do classes in the center, but when we go to school to school, you're talking about massive logistics on dirt roads. Nobody right, owns a right, car. Right, so right. you're carrying your kit with you and there's no like uh, <laughs> to throw all your stuff into and drive on Chigzai Road to get to school. You have to like really think about everything. Right. So we have the old school buttons, like um, the simple button. And yeah. you have to stick the elastic and then loop loop it over the button. So you have, if you want ah, it to be really right. Good, okay, yes, I see which if one. If you want it to be perfectly done, you need to leave the space to tuck the elastic in, which I didn't do. So, <laughs> and I'm a grunge monster anyway. So I just sew my elastic on the outside. <laughs> but, you know, like you really have to... Um, yeah, the hard part was to hold three material fabrics together and it's trying to shift the whole time and so right, right. beautifully around the whole thing. So we do everything with the girls. We have a stencil and we let them draw and then cut the pads out. And then we have to have so many needles and thread and, you know, help them. Sometimes some of the girls know how to sew, some don't. Um, I had to remember everything. I barely, barely knew how to sew. Um, so it's the whole experience, going through the program, doing the dances, having the conversations, and, sewing your then, own sitting, pad. <laughs> and then it culminates in sitting together and sewing your own pad. Um, and then the reason we have the wash center is because we know that one pad is not going to get you very far. So after that, we don't expect that every girl is going to have the resources or even the inclination to want to sew more pads. But right. for those that do want to do it, or those that go home and have parents who think, okay, maybe if I save up some money, I can make a business out of it. Having the wash center means there's always a place that they can come to and then move to the next step. Because society is the same everywhere, right? You have, it's a broad based and it doesn't mean that everyone is going to get revolutionized. Right. It's, not, it's not some utopia, but the, right. the point is you plant that seed and then you let and it then... germinate in a different way in each child, in each teacher, in each woman that you meet. So that's, basically what the what it's all about thank you for listening and don't forget to share like and subscribe and participate in my first period project or the pad art 
All information are on the site i-bleed.com.